welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. In this podcast, we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset, and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, relationship expert, trainer, speaker, and best-selling author of the Cupid's Bow Technique. Lynn's mission is to have a positive impact in reducing divorce, domestic violence, and suicide. Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. This is your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts. And today, listeners, I'm excited to say I've got a really lovely lady. Her name is Erica Weedalite. Welcome, Erica. Yay! Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you as well, Erica. Now, Erica, she is a confidence coach, speaker, podcaster, and one of her areas of expertise is talking about from perfection to pleasure. So that's going to be our topic that we're going to be delving into today. So Erica, tell us a little bit about yourself first before we get stuck into the main topic. Yes, uh, this is so great. So as you said, I'm a confidence coach. I help humans feel more alive, radiant, confident uh, in their pleasure, um, sparkly, back to that spark. (laughs) And we all need it. You know, this work, we all need it. Um, And it's a work of embodiment, uh, mental, spiritual, a whole full holistic experience. I love what I do. um, And I'm really excited for us to have like a little sampling and a tasting of it today. (laughs) Me too. So what's led you to be doing what you're doing? That's a great question. I was the opposite of this. <laughs> and, uh, um, and I shouldn't say that. I was born very, as we all are, born very radiant in my younger years, radiant and excited and enthusiastic. And through different experiences, I lost that luster because of trauma and fear and situations. Um And I lost that sparkle and I became, and that's okay. You know, for a moment there, I was a little jaded and cynical. Uh, And so if you told that version of me what I'm doing now, she would be very embarrassed. Uh, But it's, it's, it came from a place of, of healing. And I had literally no intention of being here. Um, I never wanted to start my own business. I had a very specific uh, vision that I wanted to accomplish. And I went in a, completely different direction so it it kind of it sounds silly but it was from like a soul aligned place that I was like okay like it it kind of happened accidentally yeah I can understand that for me I think I've ended up doing what I'm doing in you know my expertise around relationships and specifically working with women that have been through sexual assault and trauma myself because I've been through that and um, I, I feel that you know, for me, it was my calling and I'm meant to be doing what I'm doing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. So tell tell us a little bit about what, what you were like previous to actually getting the call, so to speak, to be doing what you're doing now. Yeah, just so, so cynical. Um, didn't know how to regulate, like my nervous system kind of was acting out of I don't want to say bad behavior because that's a little judgmental, but kind of bad behavior. You know, like I was, I was, I didn't know I was at a center uh, is kind of the bottom line. Like I was out of my center. I was not really acting from a place of like compassion and alignment. I just was, I just 
was kind of in like a few years of being triggered and like acting from a triggered state. And it almost like as an adult, as a young adult at that time was almost acting like a little kid. Um, if that makes sense, like having temp, like not temper tantrums, but just being highly triggered by everything. And, um, that turned into me having, getting into relationships that were unhealthy for me. That was me, um, having a wonky relationship to food, whether overeating or undereating and having that, that distorted relationship. Um, it just, it just, I wasn't aligned and that's okay. I'm not going to judge that version of me, but she, she needed the work that I now teach like desperately. She needed love and compassion and to be seen, honestly. So can you give us examples if you're prepared to share of what that looked like for you and, and what, what sort of thing might trigger your behavior and what the behavior was? Yeah, absolutely. I think for me at, at the time that I'm, there's, you know, many different times, but the time I'm really specifically thinking of, of my quote unquote rock bottom was I really was struggling with self-love. Um, and so from there I formed kind of an eating disorder of, and I, I was under the delusion that, oh, if I get down to this weight, I'll be lovable. And so I had this very distorted um, relationship to food and my body um, and then, you know, since I was from a place of not feeling worthy, I chose partners and situations, honestly, that highlighted that, you know, so I just kept, I put, I kept putting myself unconsciously, um, in situations that did not serve me. Cause I didn't feel worthy at the time. I didn't feel worthy of situations that served me. I felt less than, um, small. And so, it's if anything, I look back and I'm like, oh, that's so sad. Like that's such a that's so sad that that I experienced that and that so many of us experience that. Yeah, I think a lot of people will be able to relate in a lot of ways, not necessarily associated with eating or, you know, um food disorders necessarily, but you know, being in that sort of similar space that might have triggered something that then showed up in our behaviors towards ourselves and the relationships we subsequently attracted yeah absolutely absolutely I think like you said it might not be exactly food or relationships but we can hear usually so many of us are on the path and and at one point we've have felt not fully worthy or not fully deserving um and I think so many of us can relate to that absolutely I can certainly and I think that um unfortunately um life the universe source, whatever you want to call it, provides us with um, wanting to prove us right in whatever mindset and pattern that we're in. So like you said, you know, um, we attract the relationships that all highlight and show up what you think about yourself. Yeah, I, it was it. Now that I have space from it, I'm like, oh man, like it's like, it's, it's, it wasn't laughable at the time, but now it's laughable how it was a direct what I was thinking about, how I was thinking about myself, how I was relating to myself was a direct reflection. The, it was reflected back in relationships and situations and partnerships. I'm like, oh man, like it, it was, it was almost not again, not really, but almost comical about how my universe, my, my, my part of the small world was being reflected back to me of, of what I was thinking about myself. 
And um, I think anybody listening to this shouldn't beat themselves up if that's their current situation, should they? Oh my gosh, no. No, <laughs> the, the way that I got out of this and the way that I still, you know, I still hit worthiness blocks. I still hit value, you know, being valuable blocks. You have to do that from a place of forgiveness and self-compassion. We can only, in the beginning, I really tried to self-help, uh, self-hate my way out of it. You know, I was like, oh, if I'm mad at myself enough or if I hold on to this long enough, I'm going to be better. And it's, that has never, I've never been motivated by that. That's not where freedom comes from. So the first step is having forgiveness, having compassion, uh, having kindness for ourselves of the spot. So even though that was a part of me that was a little wounded and healed, I still love that part of me. That person was still valuable, was still worthy, was still incredible, you know? So I, no, no, no hate, no judgment towards where we are in the journey. Yeah, because it's it's just unfortunate that I suppose, you know, mindset and the, our um, confidence and self-esteem and our beliefs, these sort of subjects are not taught as part of the school curriculum and we're not usually parented around these things, are we? Right. Exactly. You hit the nail on the head. And for me, a huge part of my work is self re-self-parenting. So you hit with both this question and the last question, it's like, how do we kind of wiggle our way out of this? It's it's, it's self-parenting ourselves, Like as if we're a child, you wouldn't speak to a child and tell that child they're unworthy and they're less than and they're small. To a child, you would build them up. You would hold them. You would encourage them. You would celebrate them. And so you hit the nail on the head of how can we, of our own self, reparent ourselves? So you absolutely nailed that. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I know that because I've had to reparent my, my myself, yeah. <laughs> and, and quite often I think sometimes. Well, I think we fall into one of two categories. We either fall into the same cycle as our parents and become, you know, all of the mistakes that our parents um, unwittingly and unconsciously taught us. Or we decide that we're not going to be anything like them. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. <laughs> so how was that for you in your situation? Did your parents have an impact in how you thought and behaved? Of course. Yeah. And they did, you know, I, I have a really great relationship with my parents and we can kind of, I feel blessed that we can kind of like talk about this. Um, and even, I mean, I've done so much work. I've had a business for close to 10 years about this stuff and I'm still unpacking things. Um, actually this last year was, I was like, oh my gosh, I never even, this never even occurred to me, but I had to work through some stuff that was kind of buried. Um, and so it's a journey, you know, it's a process, but I feel blessed that I can, um, that I, I have, how do I say this? A good a good is such a weird word to say it, but I, I have a, a nice relationship to it where I can see them as humans. They did the best they could. And some patterns I don't want to continue on. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to bring that forward. Yeah, totally. I think even if we've had that really crap, what we would describe as crappy upbringings and childhoods and dysfunctional family um, experiences, um, I think it's important to, to know that you know, your parents always did the best they could with the knowledge and understanding they had in, at any one time in their lives. And we're probably just repeating the patterns that were inflicted upon them as children when they were growing up. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. 
Uh, I'm sort of happy to say that I resolved, um, I, I suppose, my sort of mother and father wounds with my parents before they passed away. But I can remember having a conversation with my mother when my own children were quite young, saying that I was sad that I'd never heard her tell me that she loved me. And her response to that was, well, you've never said you love me. And I'm like, mum, you know, you're the parent, you're my first educator. You know, who am I meant to learn from first and foremost? And you know what? She did make a huge effort after that to always tell me she loved me. Um, usually at the end of phone calls, not really face to face initially. But I can remember being resistant to it and um, thinking, um, oh, it's too little, too late. But you know what? She wore me down. And eventually I was able to say it back to her and from a place of genuinely feeling that love as well. Mm, that's beautiful. That's so beautiful. I love that. Did you find that you were able to resolve anything within your own family dynamics around those sorts of issues for yourself? Absolutely. And this is a big one that I had to work out this year um, in therapy and with coaching. Um, for me, a big one, the recent one has been like not getting on people's maps. Like I, I am meaning our their side of the street. Like I in the past have wanted to control, make sure, like, be on everyone, like, be on my parents' maps, like, you know, be not controlling, but make sure that they're okay. And what are they doing? And I had to learn, like, they are their own individual human. And even though I want them to make this, th because from a place of love, I'm very protective of them and everyone I love, I wanted them to make different choices. I wanted them to make the quote unquote right choice. And for them, that might not be the right choice. And so I had to really learn to kind of not play God. And and they are their own human. They are their own soul. That's their choices to make. And that has been a really hard lesson for me. Um, but it's been an important one that I'm like, I love them. I hope that they make the right choices. Um, but this is their this is their journey. This is their path to take. I can't, I can't control what they do. And I think that's an important lesson for me for all friendships if I have kids in the future I think that's a good less a, a good lesson for me to start to practice absolutely you know relinquishing control is a huge one so getting on to the topic of from perfection to pleasure what sort of led you to sort of I suppose research or invest time in learning more about that yeah I love this I uh, as you can tell with my control, <laughs> with my control, I had, I really had a lot of, and I still do in, in certain ways, but I really was struggling with anxiety and pleasure felt so not tangible when you're like in an anxiety spiral, you're like pleasure. And it happened really beautifully, seamlessly. I could not have planned it. I would have not planned it. You know, like it was very much in the hands of the universe uh, God, goddess, whatever you want to call it, spirit. And I remember one day I had a little picture of the Buddha in my room. And I remember I looked up and I had, and I had a little thought and I said to my, and the thought was in about a year's time, you're going to start to delve into the world of Tantra pleasure. Um, and I was like, what? you know, like I was doing, I was doing acting at the time full time. So I was like, I was like, aha, like I was like, Erica, what a crazy thought. And I was like, anyway, 
you know, let me move on with my day. And I had that and I was like, that's, cr-. you know, I was still had a deep spiritual practice, but I was, I was doing other things. And I was like, that's the weirdest thought. And r- truly to almost the, the year to the day, that's where I started, started the journey. And it was so smooth. It was, again, I couldn't, it's almost laughable. I could not have planned it. Um, like different people like, you should go to this, you should go. And it just, I, I don't, I actually don't even know how logistically it lined up. Um, but it was very much in the cards and I'm like, okay, all right. So I knew it was like, this is a little bit too perfectly planned. Let me follow this. And I thought, okay, let me follow this impulse. Let me just do it. See, and get out of there. And I never got out of there. I, 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 mean, I got I got more and more interested and wanted to take more and more trainings just because it's it's so fantastic and life-changing and and all the things. Excellent. And I think that that's what happens, you know, once you start dipping your toe in the personal growth, personal development, self-help journey, then uh, you just realize, you know, how much you don't know, don't you? <laughs> it's so, oh my gosh, it's so true. <laughs> it's so true. So what can you share with the audience around, um, you know, I suppose your journey from perfection to pleasure, how did that sort of unfold? Absolutely. I There's so many reasons why I slash so many of us are resistant to pleasure, right? Like even the word is, it's like, ugh. like there's just so many, you know, it's, it's, I could go on and on, but the cliff notes is, you know, we, no one wants to claim pleasure or so many of us have resistance to claiming pleasure. It's like, it's gross. It's lazy. Um, you know, there's so many different stories around why one doesn't want to claim that title. And for me too, you know, like I was very resistant to, to claiming it. And what I found was for me, when I started to have a relationship to it, my anxiety subsided I had, I've done, did all the body work, like all the body love work. But when I did pleasure that really, you know, changed the game because I was so more focused about being in my body, feeling good, feeling pleasure. It wasn't about being in my head, crucifying myself. Um, So for me, the results time and time again, even though, again, I, I do this work, I've been doing this work for years. I still have roadblocks. And recently I've been having to work through like my next level of resistant to pleasure. Uh, but for me, it's been a transform, a transformational journey about around my body, around my mindset, uh, around my anxiety. And for that, I'm so grateful. So can you share what's typically changed for you in the life that you live now compared to what you were living before? Yeah, I love that. I would, I think the big thing that's coming to me is confidence I think the big, before I could kind of fake it till I make, sometimes I wouldn't even fake it till I make it. You know, like I, I sometimes, I, like I said, I was just more cynical and I was, had self-deprecating humor and I had that vibe going. Um, and then sometimes I was like, I'm going to fake it till I make it. But with the pleasure work, it really came from a truthful place. It came from a truthful worthy place of I deserve to take up space because here's the thing you know when we say we're going to do the work of pleasure we're telling our body we're telling our mind we're telling our soul I'm worthy and deserving of having good things you know so it it, it really is you're like oh my gosh I'm, I am worthy and deserving of feeling good I am worthy and deserving of that that extra second of more aligned and ener- more energy I, I'm worthy and deserving and for that 
it genuinely changed how I showed up. I wasn't like, I'm confident. And it was like, Ooh, are you? It was like, <laughs> like uh, she lying? You know, it genuinely was from a place of boom, here I am right here, right now, worthy and deserving of all the good things as are you. And, and, and it was a beautiful journey because I felt worthy and deserving from a genuine place. And the cool thing about it is people around me started to see it. And they were like, what are you doing? I want some. So not only was it cool for me, it was a permission giver for the people around me that, oh my gosh, she can do it. I could do it too then. I love that. So yeah, because I, I can relate to, to exactly, you know, being in those situations where I've been resistant to um, the idea of something good, uh, yeah. you know, believing something good about myself because it doesn't, it's it's not something that is familiar to you whereas before you know what was familiar was like you said self-deprecating uh self-talk rather than uplifting yeah exactly exactly and it's a, it's a big change and i want to add this too pleasure actually makes it safe you know what i mean because sometimes we could we could go from self-deprecating self-hate and then we could start doing this work and we have positive thoughts and and sometimes for our nervous system that's a little bit like Whoa, like it's a little jarring to go from self-hate, self-deprecation to I'm all of a sudden going to be self-love. It kind of can be jarring. And with pleasure, it's kind of like a little bit of a balm to be like, okay, I feel safe to have, like it's, it gives it a little bit of safety and juice, if that makes sense, around the self-love versus it feeling like such a jarring journey. Yeah, I think like what you're saying, it's, it's not such a big stretch. Um, right. you know, in terms of the extreme of going from like self-hate or self-deprecation to self-love and, and worthiness and, uh, you know, really feeling abundant and wealthy and healthy. Uh, it's not such a big leap as, as uh, going through the process of doing that through pleasure. Exactly. You nailed it. Exactly. Yep. So what what could you give the audience as an example of a little exercise maybe or something you could share around where they could start on that pleasure journey? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Here's what I try to do every day is I set the intention first and foremost. It depends. I, each day is a different intention. But usually when I do, I say, okay, how am I going to make today more pleasurable? And let's micro step that even more. So the tool that I love is I'm a big uh, fan of setting alarms. So I always set alarms on my phone, but if you can't do that, what I suggest is checking in with yourself regularly throughout the day and asking yourself like on a barometer, where am I on the pleasure scale? Am I feeling totally contracted and crunchy or am I feeling pretty lit up? Like I feel like I'm breathing. I feel my body. I feel pretty radiant. Like where on the, on the spectrum are you? And if you're crunchy and you're feeling a little, that's okay. No problem. We're not going to make it wrong. We can investigate. We can get to know why. And my question to you is then, how can we make this more pleasurable? So I'll give you, that's a big one. How can I make this more pleasurable? How can I make this more pleasurable? I'll give you an example. We, so many of us work from home. And so I have clients check in. They're bah, 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 away at the computer, away at the computer. They check in. Are you feeling you know crunchy, turned on, alive, crunchy? And I'm like, okay, it doesn't need to be a whole song and dance. I don't need you, you know, doing a whole crazy thing. But they might say, you know what? I'm going to put on a jazz playlist. 
in the background as I send these emails. I'm going to make myself a nice cup of tea. It doesn't need to be this extravagant act. It's just these little things. And if you ever forget, well, how do I find pleasure, Erica? How do I make something more pleasurable? Go to your five senses. Sometimes we're like, I don't know how to make something more pleasurable. No problem. If you remember anything from this episode, go to your five senses. So it could be, like I said, it could be taste. It could be, what am I touching around me? What am I smelling? What am I, you know, so uh, invite one of those senses on board for a more radiant experience, if that makes sense. So it doesn't need to be fly to the Amalfi Coast, even though we would all love that. It, It could be just a little touch, a little energetic alignment that pops us back. I love that you mentioned music because I think everybody can relate to that and knowing what sort of music lights them up and makes them happy and, you know, or makes them calm, for example. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's this work too. And I'll make this brief note has been, I thought I knew what I liked, but it kind of was like what the programming, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I know what I like. And when I started doing the pleasure work, it blew my mind because I would just, I was on autopilot for so long. I was like, I listen to this music. I eat this type of food. But when I was turned into the pleasure, I'm like, my body actually likes this type of food. My body actually likes to move to this type of music. So the the work of pleasure is so amazing because it's a, it could be a portal to deep self knowing and an inner relationship with yourself. Excellent. And I, I love the fact that you've said, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be something that you've previously bought into before. You can experiment with different sounds and types and genres of music and, and actually probably come to enjoy something even more different to what you've ever experienced before that will help you to feel happier and more pleasure. One hundred percent. I had that. Re- I had that with food. Like I was, I was like, I'm not going to eat this type of food. I'm not going to eat this type of food. And then when I actually was present, I was like, oh my gosh, I love this. And the stuff that I would always eat on autopilot, I'm like, I actually don't like this. I just was taught I should like this. So, and same with music. I'm like, I always listen to this type of genre and I'm like, actually this one feels way better in my body. I'll still listen to that one up, you know, in certain places, but yeah, it's been a really wild self-discovery experiment. Yeah, there's no point in limiting ourselves, like you say, whether it's food or music or whatever. That's that's that could be the thing that brings you pleasure, or many things that bring you pleasure. Uh, it's about being a being open-minded to to having a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and and trying it out, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. That's exactly right. I think yes. the other important point you mentioned was being present as well, not being distracted in the moment, you know, um, fully being present to, you know, if you're going to be listening to a piece of music, then don't um, immerse yourself in something that's going to distract you from appreciating that moment and uh, hearing that music. Yeah, it's really hard to do because I've done this work for so long and and part of me wants to hold on pleasure, ple- like, you know, we want to just hold on to pleasure it's it's really hard to do pleasure work or really any of this spiritual work when we're not in the moment it's yeah it comes from being present here i am experiencing the five senses here i am experiencing being present with you in this conversation it's it's hard to to do that when we're in the future or in the past absolutely even having a conversation with somebody you know could give us pleasure but not if we're sort of sitting there thinking 
you know, I'm, I just want to wait for them to shut up so I can jump in rather than <laughs> sitting there really, you know, enjoying what they've got to say. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's so good. So good. So tell us, Eric, Eric okay, sorry, what, what would be the best contact information that you could share with our audience to help them reach out and connect with you if they would be interested to? Absolutely. I have uh, a free session that I like to give to some folks. Um, and it's a 60 minute call. We, we, we talk about things that we talked about today, how you can get more pleasure, more confidence. Uh, it's totally complimentary. It's 60 minutes and you can get that on my website, www.wethelight.org and all of my other free goods are on there. And again, that's www.wethelight.org. Excellent. So before we actually close the episode, any final words of wisdom and insight around this from perfection to pleasure subject? Absolutely. Yes. I, I, my last little pearl of wisdom is that it's accessible. And if it feels far away, I get you deeply. I've been there too. This never even felt like a twinkle in my eye. Um, and it doesn't have to cost money. It does. It's, it's available to everyone. Um, and again, if you forget, how do I even start reaching for it? Let's just start to reach for one of the senses. Let's start to reach for, okay, how can I be more present in this moment? How can I really take in this moment and enjoy uh, and lean in a little bit deeper? How can I breathe deeper? How can I just be present to to this moment? I think we the big highlight for me of this conversation was uh, being present. And that's where this the gold lives here. Thank you for reinforcing that because I believe that <laughs> too absolutely <laughs> so erica thank you so much it's been really wonderful to have you on as a guest in today's episode and hopefully we'll have you on future episodes as well so thank you for sharing your own journey and uh, being vulnerable and open to doing that thank you so much it was a pleasure so it just leaves me to say true love starts with opening our hearts and until next time goodbye for now Thanks for listening to the Hearts Entwined podcast. You can follow Lynn via the Facebook group Two Hearts Entwined or search Lynn Smith, inspirational speaker at LinkedIn or email lynn at hearts-entwined.com. That's L-Y-N at hearts-entwined.com. Remember, true love starts with opening our hearts.